Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Over a writing career spanning more than 30 mysteries and thrillers, Michelle Scott's seen both the highs and lows of publishing. She enjoyed instant success, in quotes, with her first thriller, Daddy's Home, after weathering years of rejection letters. And she's now riding high again, with her Wine Lovers Mystery series, Book Nine, A Killer Margarita, recently published, set for a future on Netflix. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler, and in today's binge reading episode, Michelle talks about staying true to your life purpose when stuff gets in the way, that stuff that life throws at us, and how she balances her creative process between writing serial killers one minute and cosy mysteries with lots of food, wine and humour the next. There's a full transcript of our chat plus links to Michelle's books and website on thejoysofbingereading.com. Join us there, leave us a comment or a suggestion, we love to hear from you. But now, here's Michelle. Hi there, Michelle, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Look, you're a multi-published New York Times best-selling author. Your books have made the lists numerous times, and listeners and readers always want to know the answer to the very obvious question, how did you get started, and did you actually enjoy instant success, in quotes? <laughs> okay, well... No, I, if I'll, I'll answer the latter part first. I did not enjoy instant success, although I've been introduced that way as an overnight success, which I always find funny. And I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. But as far as... I, I, I always wanted to be a writer. I've no, I knew when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a writer. From the time I was probably eight, nine years old, I used to write uh, short stories on my dad's legal pad, you know, the little yellow notepads. And he one day, he read one of them and he looked at me and he said, you're a writer. And it stuck with me. And and I always had his support. He's, he's since passed. So I always knew. And then when I went to university, I actually... My my mom was very was far more pragmatic and said, you know, it's very difficult to make a living as a, as an author as a fiction author. I don't know how that's going to go. I think maybe you should look at something else. So, I majored in journalism, and I thought I would go into broadcast journalism. And then, as life would take an interesting turn, I became pregnant my senior year of college, and I had a baby, my son, who is now almost thirty, but he was very preemie. And I stayed home at the time and I started taking care of my baby. And I, I did an online correspondence course through Writer's Digest. And I wrote my first novel. And I knew after writing that first novel that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. That was, I was, think I was 22 years old. And I wrote about, I think I probably wrote eight to 10 manuscripts or half written manuscripts, a lot of them. And it took me 12 years before a literary agent picked me up. And when she did pick me up, it went very quickly thereafter. I had a publishing deal within six weeks and they bought three books and six months later they bought another three books and it just went from there. So um, 
definitely not an overnight success. <laughs> no, but during that 12 years, did you keep on writing? Oh, yes. I didn't stop writing. In fact, it, it, I would get these rejection letters, you know, and, and it just, I, some days I would get very discouraged, but my, my, like I said, from the beginning, my dad was a, a huge fan and he would just say, you know, you just stay focused. You just, you're going to do it. You just stay positive. You're going to, I'm so sorry. The background noise is my dog rolling around on her bed. <laughs> so, I have to preface that, but you know, my, my, my dad just really kind of encouraged me and I just kept writing. I just kept writing and submitting consistently. I had what I yeah. called marketing Mondays. And on Mondays, I would pull up a list of agents that I wanted to submit to and I would send to them. And I did that every Monday. And by Friday, I'd have a list of rejections until I finally didn't have any have a rejection, you know? Look, that's amazing. You know, I talked to an Australian writer last year, Fiona Palmer, and she said something that struck me so strongly that I actually wrote it down. I put it on a little post-it note, which is in front of me at the moment. And it says... There's no such thing as failure, just practice. Yeah. Yes. And it sounds like you epitomize that attitude. Yes. And you know what? I also, I, I'm sure you remember Bryce Courtney. And yes. Bryce was a huge mentor of mine. And I went to a writer's conference before it was published out in Maui. And there was a small group of us. We had to apply. And I remember him saying, when somebody said, what does it take? Or that, something to that effect. And he said, it takes bum glue. You glue your bum to the chair and you just start writing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I have never forgotten that those, those, you know, words of wisdom. Now you've written about more than 30 books now, but your most successful series, the one that's still very much alive is the Wine Lovers Mysteries, and that's described as, you know, adult Nancy Drew or Sex in the City meets Aunt, Aunt Nancy Drew. You've just published book nine in that series, set in Mexico and called A Killer Margarita. Tell mm -hmm. us how that particular series got, got birthed. Well, so that was, that was actually the very first series that was published. I had been writing thrillers and like serial killer type stuff. And I had not gotten an agent. And I was actually in Napa Valley on a vacation. And I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be sort of fun to like set a murder mystery here in this, you know, setting where the, in the wine country. And and I'd grown up reading all the Nancy Drews and I, I really liked that. And I didn't even know there was a term for these types of mysteries at the time, which obviously is the cozy mystery. And um, I love wine and I love food. And I thought, how do I incorporate all of this? And, and so I just came up with this idea of what if a murder mystery happened on a vineyard, you know, and this, this amateur sleuth came across this, this victim. And when I, did, when I did write the query letter to the agent and we, we did get a deal they, I didn't know it was going to be a series, right? I just thought, I just was thinking, oh, it's just going to be murder uncorked. And the agent called me and said, okay, well, we have a deal, but they want to know what the next two books in the series are about. And I said, oh, I didn't know we were doing a series. And she said, well, yeah. And I said, when do they want to know? And she says, well, really by the end of the day would be ideal. <laughs> I said, well, what do you need? And she says, I need a page on the, you know, a synopsis. So I just, I came up with two more ideas. And then after that, it just kept rolling out. And I really just enjoy these characters a lot. 
So they were, it was really easy. It's, 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 it was an easy series for me to write because it was just fun and quirky, you know? Yeah. Look, I find it remarkably um, impressive though, that you could write a couple of book blurbs in one day. That, that really does take some creative energy. It's amazing. Yeah, it does. I was raised, (laughs) I had a young family at that time, so they're all grown up now, but yes, it, yeah, it does. Look, your heroine of that series, Nikki Sands, she's a wood. She starts out as a would-be actress who's waiting on tables, and first of all, she gets captivated by the wine that she's serving up to people, and then she ends up working in Napa Valley for a golden boy type of wine boss. And I guess that was all birthed when you were in the Napa Valley and saw how things work there. Yes, yeah, it was. I I came up with. I knew that. You know, yeah, I had to put in some romance there in it, and and so Nikki has a couple of love interests throughout the series. But uh, you know, if you, I won't give any spoilers as to who she winds up with, but it is kind of a fun piece of the of the subplots. You know, the romance aspect. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We won't give that one away, but you have had the chance to develop her as a character in that in that aspect, haven't you? She's had yes. changing kind of fortunes with her romantic life. She has, and she's developed quite a bit as a as a character from being somebody who didn't always speak her mind. To by the time the series winds up, she's she's pretty uh she's pretty snappy with people. <laughs> <laughs> Look, book four, a vintage murder, is set in Australia, and you mentioned actually meeting Bryce Courtney. As you probably know, we have quite a few listeners in Australia, so we're, we're naturally interested. Why? What made you decide to take Nikki to Australia? And did you actually go there yourself to research it? You know, no. What the reason? Well, the interest was I've always wanted to go. My parents have been several times and and loved it. And and I love the Australian wine. So I thought, well, gosh, it would be really fun to set something there. Uh, so I did a lot of research, and I actually made a contact down there, an inspector who I would email back and forth on basically how investigations would be conducted in that, you know, in Australia and in this area. And then I did Mm. a lot of research on the wine in the area and just kind of, you know, hopefully I'm as without being able to go as accurate as I could possibly be. And fortunately we have the internet and are able to research that way now. But I just, I wanted to take Nikki out of Napa Valley and, and show the world or any of the readers, you know, there are obviously other places in the world that make great wine and have good mystery and romance too. (laughs) Yeah. And so was that set in Victoria or New South Wales? Gosh, it's been so long since I wrote it. I, I want to say New South Wales, but I'd have to go back and so look. Like the Hunter Valley or somewhere like that. Yes. I, I haven't had a chance to read it. Yeah. But yeah. It's fun. It's a fun book. And there's a, what my favorite scene in there has to do with a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned taking Nikki out of the Napa Valley. And in this book, the, the most recent one, you obviously take her down into Mexico yeah. on holiday at Christmas time. Yes. And that gives you a chance to pair it with lots of wonderful wine and food suggestions. As I was going through the book, I was thinking, oh, I must print out this recipe and (laughs) try it. You know, (laughs) things like braised short rib enchiladas with adobo shrimp tacos. I thought, oh, I've got to make that sometime. (laughs) And you've mentioned that you're a keen cook. So that's an aspect of it as well that I imagine readers really love. Yeah, I, I, that's a, it's a passion of mine cooking, you know, and, and I'm, 
raised a pretty good sized family and I loved cooking and, and I love cooking from different regions and Mexican food is some of my favorite. So, and I've been to Mexico quite a bit and, and love the culture and, and thought, well, this could be really fun to take, take the, the, her quirky crew down to Puerto Vallarta for, for a book and pair with some of those, those recipes and, and do some margaritas, do something just a little bit different again, just like I did when I, when I took them to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And you obviously do make all the recipes you put in the book. Yes. Yeah. So what, what I do with cooking is I've done a lot of reading of cookbooks. So then I start to think about what, what ingredients work with what, right? And the hardest part for me with those recipes in the books is actually the the measurements because I don't measure. I'm the type of cook that, oh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? (laughs) So that has been the hard part is going back and figuring out what exactly and how much is the amount because I always think you can play with it. You can play with your ingredients and and see because I think... For me, like writing, cooking is a very creative aspect to to my life. So I like to create all sorts of different recipes. I don't think I ever cook the same thing twice. So the Wine Lover series, as we've outlined, is a wine country whodunit series, really. But yes. then, as you've mentioned, you also write these gritty thrillers mm. under another author name, A.K. Alexander. Yes. And these are much more in the territory of serial killers. And I wondered if you have to kind of make a change in your head when you sit down to write one of the thrillers as compared with one of the more cozy mysteries. Do you do you feel different as you're writing them? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's why I go back and forth because when you write a darker thriller in that vein and you do the research, and I do do a lot of research, I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, it's it's daunting and it can be horrifying how, how things occur and the, and the mental state of some very disturbed people, right? So I do go back and forth and and I do get in a different frame of, of mind. When I write a lighter mystery, there's far more humor, obviously, and it's a little bit more of a, I don't want to say recipe, no pun intended, but it is a little bit of a recipe when you write a whodunit. You know, there, you know, you have red herrings and clues and there's, it's more of a map. And then the thriller is a little bit different. So I definitely feel different writing in in the various genres. Yeah. Yeah. So your character there, the main hero is Holly Jennings and Mm -hmm. she's a San Diego CSI detective. You're on book four of that series, aren't you? Tell us a bit about that series and how it developed. So the Holly series, I was born and raised in San Diego, and I, I've i always loved the Law & Order shows and the CSIs and, and Datelines and things like that. And and I've read a ton of like Patterson and Baldacci and th- these authors that write these types of books. And it, it was really what I always originally wanted to write. I didn't intend to necessarily go down the cozy path, but then I enjoyed it so much that it stuck. But yeah, I just, the the series really came to me, I don't know, a few years ago, I just really wanted to write this, this character came in my head and, and, and I, and she just, I started with her and then again, start with a, like, what, what if X, Y, and Z happened? And then she starts to solve it and all the people around her and, and then her also her, her life and her and the subplots that go on with it where 
I'm not going to give any spoilers, but there is a very interesting subplot in that series that I'm still working through going into book five. Yeah. Now, Daddy Home, the first book in the series, I just wanted to mention that it is available on your website if readers are interested. They can download it for free if they join your newsletter. And it it enjoyed remarkable success that first well, I mean, I'm sure they all did, but Daddy Home has it's got its own story, hasn't it? Tell us about that amazing ride. Yeah, so Daddy's Home is definitely my biggest best-selling book. So, so the series in general is outside of, but it, it particularly, I mean, in my in what I do with thrillers, and what's interesting about that series is when I, okay, when I when I wrote when I wrote the book. And I was submitting it. I this was actually I I originally wrote that book and was submitting before I was ever published. So I had to go back and revise it because then the wine lovers got picked up and I was taken down a whole nother road, right? And mm-hmm. I can I'll never forget my son, my middle one. I think he was probably about eleven. I had received, you know, another yet another rejection letter because the book had been actually, and I'd been kind of like I'd been straight sub- submitting to publishers, and the the book had gone through a round where actually there was a lot of interest in it at at, a, at I think it was it was Harper's, and they basically came back and said, you know, this isn't quite right for us, and but thank you so much, we're going to pass, and I remember being in my kitchen and I was in tears and. Anthony said, what's the matter, mom? And, and I said, you know, honey, I just, I just don't think I could do this anymore. I just get these rejections and I'm just, I just don't know if mommy is meant to be a writer. And he goes, <laughs> and it's still, to this day, every time I think about this, it makes you emotional. He says, don't you know, mom, that God wouldn't have made you a writer if he didn't believe in you? And <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I cannot stop now. Right. So so that book got actually set aside as then, because it was shortly after where the wine mysteries did get picked up. And then in 2009, when the economy took a hit, I had been writing for, for Penguin. Their, the imprint was Berkeley Prime Crime. And they dropped to, they dropped the wine lovers and they dropped another series I had with them, which uh, was around a horse mystery series. And when they dropped it, I thought, gosh, what am I going to do now? And it started, uh, it was about that time that Kindle started to become, an ebook started to become a big thing, just, just on the cusp of it. And so I uploaded Daddy's Home and, and, a, and a few of my other thrillers that I'd written previously that had never been picked up. And I came up with the pen name A.K. Alexander, which stands for my children, Anthony, Caitlin, and Alexander. And nothing really happened with these books. And, but then about a year later, I don't still cannot tell you there's no rhyme or reason other than just faith maybe, but I opened up and I start looking at my reports in real time on Kindle self-publishing platform and daddy's home was like, I could see it in real time, the numbers selling in the UK and the book within a couple of weeks went to number one on the Amazon UK list and then another thriller I had went to number two, which was outside of that series, Mommy May I. And, and it, it did very, very well in the UK for a few months. And then it followed suit here in the United States in 2012. So a few months thereafter, Daddy's Home went to number four on the list. I couldn't break the three books ahead of me were the Hunger Games books. So, <laughs> I, you know, but yeah, so then what happened is, 
Thomas and Mercer, which is now a, a publishing imprint of Amazon. So outside of self-publishing, they have their own imprints. They came in and they um, wanted to buy the rights for Daddy's Home. And then I wrote um, another book for them, Blood and Roses. And then I've since written independently the third book in the series and now the fourth book in the series. Now, that fourth book, I think you co-wrote with a good friend, didn't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. And that that was the first time you tried co-writing. Tell us about that. Well, it's not the first time. I've done quite a few, actually, co-author oh, uh, yeah. projects. Yeah, but with this series. Now, it was not my intention to do that. And uh, I typically try to be pretty honest and vulnerable with people. So what, so what, what really happened there was... I stopped writing a few years ago. I went through a, a divorce and it wasn't a good time. And I lost a lot of motivation and really stopped writing. So fast forward three years later, three and a half years later, and I knew I needed to get back in the game because I I really missed the process. And But yet I was having a very hard time. And I'd written half of the book already, but I was having a hard time getting back into it. So Christine and I had met through a mutual friend and she's, she's also an author. And I said, Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. And, but I need some motivation. I need some, some feedback. And then I loved her feedback and I, I, I liked her writing and I, I just like her and we just meshed and her ideas were so good. I said, Hey, do you think you want to help me finish this book? And let's just do this together. And, and she said, yeah, I'd love to. And it just, it just worked really well. So, and it, it got it's me fantastic. really back into it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That probably brings us to this point where we like to pivot a little from looking at the individual books to taking into consideration your wider life. You've mentioned a couple of these pivotal uh, events that have influenced your writing. Mm-hmm. The life experience that you bring to your books at this stage, do you think that it's been helpful in, in developing stories as you go along? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. I've I've had I've had quite a few traumatic experiences or events um, that have occurred, and and then also life things that we all go through. Like you know, I'm now an empty nester. There's things that, and I'm actually using that piece in what I'm I'm writing currently. So I do use the life experiences, and what I find is that it's very cathartic in a big way. And I've done this throughout my entire writing career. My first book that I wrote, Covert Reich, which is a standalone thriller, actually started because my son had been born prematurely and was in the, you know, the neonatal intensive care unit for a bit of time. And the book revolves around an intensive care unit doctor and what she deals with with these babies. And there's a whole thriller tied into it. And I won't go into that if anybody wants to take a look. But it was very cathartic, and that was what it was meant to be at first. And then it turned into something more. And so, yeah, I definitely use life experience. But I, I, I tend to make it larger than life, right? Like I'm not on the run from from a government agency who wants to murder me. <laughs> so. oh, I'm relieved to hear that. Yes, me too. <laughs> There's one question I always like to ask, and is that is if is there one thing you would set aside and say more than any other has helped you get where you are today? Yeah, perseverance and faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing in my heart that this is my purpose. My purpose is to write something that hopefully entertains the reader and takes them out of their day-to-day stress or just their day-to-day stuff and, you know, brings them some semblance of joy maybe. Um, yeah. And of course, at this time of pandemic, there's nothing more important than helping people escape some of their realities, is there? That's that's true. Yes. Yeah. It's one of the things I love about genre fiction, that it just helps people you know, get through life. <laughs> it does, right? I've always <laughs> delved into good books and it, it does take you to another place, right? It, the, the imagination and creation of good stories is I don't think there's really anything much better than that. No, that's right. Look, that segues beautifully into talking about your reading taste. This is the joys of binge reading. We do like to talk about mm. the books you like and things you might recommend for other readers that they might not have discovered yet. Who do you like to read and either in the past or today? Is there anyone that you would recommend to readers? Well, you know, I, I always go back to the tried and true, you know, the, the I love I love the Stephen Kings of the world and Dean Koontz and James Patterson and so forth. I'm currently, you know, I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of like law of manifestation type books and, and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm currently binging on Alice Hoffman's, like, you remember, so Practical Magic, the movie that was out years ago. And then she's got The Rules of Magic, which is, which is the prequel and then the history of witches. So I'm, I'm, that's, that's on my, that's what's on my nightstand right now. And I'm going to read that whole series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many good authors out there and so many good stories now. Like it's, it's just really hard to kind of narrow that list down, but I have so many books. I can't tell you, like, that's my thing is collecting books. So you still read paper, paper rather than digital, do you? I do both. I, for when, when digital came out, I, I kind of like dug my heels in and was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm going to stick to paper books. But then when I started making a lot of money, right, right through the digital route, I thought, well, I can't like poo poo eBooks because that would be very hypocritical of me. So, <laughs> you know, so then I started reading a lot on the Kindle, but I like the feel of a book in my hands. So I tend to gravitate more Again, you know, back to the to the paperbacks and hardbacks. Sure. Look, we are starting to come to the end of our time together. So circling around, looking back down the tunnel of time, at this stage in your career, if you were doing it all over again, what would you change, if anything? Yeah, so I would. I would change a couple of things. I would not stop writing as life made changes. So like, for instance, when my father passed, I stopped writing and I stepped into our family business because it was, it was needed, but it wasn't true to myself. So I guess that's the key. I would be true to myself. Yes. I wouldn't. Yeah. When I went through, like I said, this divorce, I stopped writing. So I wouldn't let life hardships per se, take me out of what I'm supposed to really be here to do. Yeah. Because at the end, that was really all I had control over, right? Not sales, not anything else, but I had control over the writing and I just stopped and I wouldn't do that. That that is what I would change. Yeah. Well, that's great. 
Look, you mentioned yeah. about a new series that you were working on. Tell us about what your next 12 months, for example, holds in terms of your writing. Have you got some new projects under development and, and current ones that are still going on, like Holly Jennings? Tell us about your next 12 months. Yeah, so it's kind of exciting. A couple of things. Well, first, the Wine Lover Mysteries have been optioned for TV. So we're, we're hoping something happens there with maybe Netflix or one of those outlets. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping for that. As far as my my personal writing, I'm going to write the fifth book in the Holly Jennings series, series in this next year, uh, in the next 12 months. And I'm starting a, a new cozy series, kind of along the veins of the wine lovers, a little bit different. It's going to be set in Santa Barbara, California. And my character is on the cusp of being 50. She's an empty nester and a divorcee. And she opens up her own, she, her all her life, she's been away from a mother. And now she kind of feels like she, what's her purpose? But she's also this fantastic cook. And so she, she decides to open up a catering business. And she, she's catering her oldest daughter's engagement party when there's, there's, a, there's a murder out in the garden. And, and Ella is, my, is the heroine's name. Ella's daughter is arrested for the murder. And so she's obviously got incentive to get her daughter out of jail, knowing that she could never do this. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on now. That sounds fantastic. And, and congratulations on the Netflix thing. It's wonderful how they they are looking to yes. some of the kind of, not necessarily, you know, the kind of James Patterson's of this world for content these days. They're going to a lot of uh, genre fiction authors now, aren't they? And it's really great. You know, there's Robin Carr with Virgin River, and I've just watched Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series here. The first series of Bridgerton came out on Christmas Day here. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. That's so funny. You're now the third person, because my daughter, my my daughter watched it, and my very dear friend, who's also an author, Jessica Park, she texted me last night and said, have you watched this? And I'm like, no. So I, I, I'm thinking I better get on and watch it. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I found it, as a writer, I found it very interesting because there were certain things that Netflix did with it that I thought, look, honestly, I, these books were published in the early 2000s. I don't honestly think that she would have done that. In the So I've actually got out the first couple of books to read them oh. and see if the context is quite the same as Netflix. And it isn't quite the same. I won't go into how it's different, but... Netflix does put a bit of a spin on it that is to make it more exciting and controversial and interesting, I guess. And it does do that, but it wasn't in the original books. Yeah, yeah. It's actually been presented to me to make Nikki a little younger and maybe, you know, do some things differently with the character. And and I'm open to I I'm open to the ideas. Yeah. But I don't think it will necessarily stay true or completely 100% accurate to what the books are. Yeah, I guess they understand what they have to do for their audience, don't they? I think so. Yeah, and I guess yeah. I just kind of have to trust that. Yeah, yeah. Look, do you enjoy hearing from your readers and where can they find you online? I do. I love hearing from my readers and I always answer them. I might take a little time just so everybody knows, but I do respond. And you can find me, you can find me on my website and write me there. There's a link uh, to that di directly email me, which is Michelle with one L. So michellescott.com. They can also on Instagram, it's Michelle Scott author. And then I think my Twitter is Michelle Scott one. 
And my Facebook, I think you can just find me Michelle Scott author as well. Sure. And look, for anybody listening, we'll put links to all of those um, addresses on the show notes for this episode that's published with the episode so that people can easily find you if they want to just go to the show notes. That would be great. And and I, I, I'll i answer really, you know, if people have questions, if they want to write, if they have questions about writing or they have questions, I mean, really anything. I've ha- I actually have helped quite a few people who've written me about book writing and, and, you know, what's, what's my advice and that kind of thing. So I would love to have readers reach out. That's wonderful, Michelle. Look, thank you so much for talking today. It's been tremendous fun. We'll look forward to this Netflix series whenever it happens. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it too. I, I appreciate you having me on. That's wonderful. Bye now. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audio services at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone. As a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with, no matter what the job. You'll find him at Abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.